Oh, yeah. All right. Well, here we are again um, for conversation number six, uh, conversation with Bonnie and Bob. We're just so glad that you are following along with these with us and um, taking a little walk with us. Every time we get the on here, it's not um, something that we outline uh, we have we had a general direction before we started these again, um, post coffee and theology, that we wanted to touch on nine or ten of like the most foundational pieces of our faith, and so we had that in mind, and we've been um, trying to talk about righteousness. That's what we want to talk about first is righteousness, and so every time. The last five times, we usually uh, take the scenic route to uh, to righteousness and thread through a little bit of that. Um, but today, I think we will will likely land in some righteousness water, maybe. Um, I think. I mean, actually, I think this this story that we were just discussing before we came on. Uh, really might lead us in that in that direction. So um, I think probably what I think one of the directions today is going to be is who exactly does God love? Who does God love? And when we say, uh, well, all, all of those words in that sentence, in that question uh, can be unpacked because I think everybody... Um, has a different idea when they think of the word God. People have a different idea when they think of the word love. And often when we put love and God in the same sentence, we automatically go to um, heaven, sin, hell, blessing. These kinds of words start to come up because if God loves somebody, it would automatically probably mean to most people that they are in God's favor, that they um, then are in God's favor and they likely are living some kind of quote unquote godly life. <laughs> and so um, I think it's interesting in this polarizing political climate that we all find ourselves in, the quickness with which a conversation between people of differing beliefs um, regarding politics can quickly go south if they're unwilling to um, come to that conversation with it with an element of complexity and um, it always seems to go to one's religious beliefs so like the political like seems to walk hand in hand with with the religious beliefs and it's interesting I was at uh, we joined the health zone a few weeks ago it's a gym here in Tulsa. And um, I was working out um, on Monday and this gentleman came up to me and we began a conversation. He was obviously a person who had worked out there at the health zone for a long time. He had all of the right uh, attire on, all the apparel that you would, one would want to see, uh, you know, gloves and a weightlifting belt and um, interesting t-shirt and so forth. And um, 
he was watching me do something and made a comment that I was doing it well. And I was like, oh, good, because I, I really wanted I, it's like those ropes that those long ropes that you, you know, move up and down, kind of like you're getting ready to play double Dutch, you know, uh, jump rope or something. And so they're really heavy and I've always wanted to do them. And so I was doing them. And I was happy to know that I was doing them correctly. And then one thing led to to the next. And I told him that I was a pastor and so we started talking about religion and major religions in the world and a little bit of history. And he was quick to tell me what he did not believe in. So um, in an assumption, after I told him I was a non-denominational Christian pastor, he then, it, the next words out of his mouth were, I don't believe in the trinity and that's where we started the conversation i don't know why he wanted to start there but that's what he wanted to say immediately was i don't believe in the trinity well you know i'm casually just doing my reps on these rings and i'm like okay you know let's talk about it um it's i i wasn't expecting him to draw such a hard line right at the beginning of the conversation but it's okay. So you don't believe in the Trinity. All right. We move on. We move on. We talk about Judaism. We talk about Islam. We talk about uh, Christianity. We talk about the Holy Land. We talk about Plato and Aristotle. I mean, we just talk about all kinds of stuff. And then at, as it's coming to an end, he says, you know what? I just know this. I believe this. I believe that God loves good people. And I was, again, just doing my reps on the rings and uh and I said and you know God loves bad people too and he just like spit and sputtered and he's like God doesn't love bad people God God doesn't want anything to do with bad people God God doesn't have time for bad people and, <laughs> and so, so I was like, like there's so much in that statement right even even to the fact that he's anthropomorphizing God into God doesn't have time. God does not have time. <laughs> God does have time. I mean, there's just so much. Like, it's like, where do you start with a statement like that? So he began to give me and to proof text, give me all these little scriptures about, you know, why he believes that God doesn't love bad people. So I just thought we could talk about that today. That seems like an easy one. Do you remember any of the scriptures he gave as examples? I'd be really fascinated. The first I mean, one of the I know first. We, had we ever talked about that. Yeah. And one of them that comes up and I don't know what his point was because it really doesn't make his point. Um, but it was about, oh, the two that he brought up. Yeah. Were um, if if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my father in heaven. And then the other one was um, depart from me. You, uh, you work of iniquity, worker of iniquity um, for I never knew you. Knew you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those are which, again, both are grossly mistranslated. Grossly, right. grossly translated. <laughs> First one yeah. for sure being exactly the opposite of what he thinks and what everybody thinks because it's it's just so grossly, it's in my top 10 uh, worst translated verses in the New Testament. Um, 
Oh, of course. And yeah. so I was like kind of gentle, gently sort of wading through into a little bit deeper water with him because as you know, it's so important that we, be, we, because I, and I, the reason why I'm going into some of the detail of this conversation is because this is like real world example, like out in the, in the world, just do minding your own business. A guy says, this is what I do and do not believe in. And God just does this. God is this God, God just loves this thing. Well, if I, we're not grounded <laughs> differently in scripture. I might think, well, I wonder if I'm a good person, or I, I wonder if I qualify for that, or I, or now I, it, for people who hold that belief and that worldview, they will treat people that they determine are bad in a way Enough neighbor as a, as a, not a neighbor. And, and Okay, so then now they're going to treat. So this is where we get this cycle of violence. This is where we continue the violence uh, that was started with Cain and Abel. This is where we continue our violence because now I am determining, I am the one who's saying you are good or you are bad and my God loves you or does not love you based on what I believe um, scripture is saying regarding your lifestyle, evidently. I mean, I, I don't know how people are basing this because I am so far removed from that kind of thought process. I mean, how are you going to decide who's good and bad? I mean, how? Right. But, but our politics tell us that, right? Our politics and our news outlets and our the, the messaging in the world are constantly pitting people against one another based on their ideals um, how, how they're getting bad, but I was challenging them to widen the circle some. And then I went to, it rains on the just and the unjust, which he didn't care about that scripture. He, you know, didn't, ma did not matter to him. Right. Well, it didn't match his narrative. So you don't, you don't know the scriptures nor use scriptures that don't match what you believe. So see, here's another one that would, that, and that's why some of these stories, there's the message is so crystal clear because like this one, there's an entire book that would completely contradict anyone who says God doesn't love good people. And see, they can have, they can cherry pick and try and have these little scriptures, these little quippets to justify, which turns out many cases are just extremely, not just poorly translated, but um, completely uh, sitting sitting on on their head scriptures like if you deny me before men, I will deny you before the Father, um, and that would be the story of Jonah. I was just looking for that. Yeah, the story yeah. of Jonah exactly. Because here's Jonah, an Israelite, who. It doesn't necessarily ever say anything about him personally, if he's what we would consider a good person or a bad person, but he's able to hear the voice of God. So he's some type of prophet, whether it doesn't really say if he was like a known, well-known prophet or whatever, but he was, he was personally called out by God to go and give a message to a group of people that were not Israelites, that according to Jonah were horrible these are troglodytes these are these are um uh infidels these are 
they don't just not know about God. They they do things that Israel knew according to their laws that they 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 held to were doing all kinds of things wrong. Right. And so he's like, these people are every way from Saturday <laughs> doing things incorrectly. And so they're bad people. They're for sure. He has lists of things he could show why they were all bad. Right. And he specifically, here's the craziest part of the story that most people over, overlook. It says the reason he so went in other directions was because he said, I know you, God. If these yeah. people even start to, to repent, you're going to just bless them. And I, I can't know. have that. I need these people to be damned. I yeah. need to be crushed and destroyed. I need you to, to so I'm going to not give them the message. Right. I'm going to not give them the message that God is calling you to say, see me, see, see a different way of living. And I don't want to do that in the off chance that these bad people suddenly aren't so bad. And then you're going to have mercy on them. And so yeah. he's so new of the, that's the thing that, God was famous for. He's the God famous for mercy. And so, <laughs> so again, it's God who starts off. God, if, if these, these are bad people, what does it say about God? Then why didn't, why wasn't he just relishing the moment he got to crush them? No, he's going out of his way and, and doing everything he can. And even, even having to, over and over again, rebuke his prophet who is refusing to go and give a message of, of, a, of a merciful God who wants to lift them up from where they're currently at. Oh, you've got to hear this. You've got to hear it. We've got to read this. It's so beautiful that you and I were both thinking of Jonah. It says uh, in Jonah 4, but this was very displeasing to Jonah and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, oh Lord, Oh, Lord, is not this what I said while I was still in my own country? That is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger That's right. and abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. And now, oh Lord, right. take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. I can't. I can't handle seeing you, <laughs> you know, he, I'm not the paraphrase. Right. I can't handle you being good. He doesn't want to see what he calls bad people be blessed, yeah. be loved on by, let's no, you're my God. I want you to be merciful to me, but don't be merciful to somebody that I don't like. Oh my That's gosh, that is so amazing. I love that you said that. There's a lyric of a song for, I have a CD. I have a CD binder in this, on this bookshelf behind me of CDs that I had from the late nineties that man, I like cut my spiritual teeth on some of these like really great worship praise and worship music and stuff. And one of the lines, it, one of these old songs and I got it out the other day, it says, when we, when we get what we don't deserve, that's a real good thing. And when we don't get what we deserve, that's a real good thing. That's Which right. I love that. <laughs> and it's merciful and gracious and it's the most difficult thing for horizontal relationships right the most difficult to be merciful when when 
we desire to judge and we desire to see people get what they deserve. Right. That when it comes to us, we're so grateful when we don't get what we deserve. Right. Keep going, keep going. But and we're quick. Many people are even quick to ask and, and, and even like Jonah, expect it. But they don't want to give it to other people. They want to hold, they want to have their groups of people that they say, but those people don't deserve it. Oh, and when did you deserve it? When did you deserve it? Because don't you, didn't you deserve That's what Paul kept saying. How many times did he have to keep reminding people? The only people he said who are quick to judge people now are because they forgot that when they needed God, when they were steeped in, in their whatever sin they had, and they were they were uh, stuck in their darkness, that God came along and pulled them out. And they'd forgotten that. So because they'd forgotten that they once were steeped, they and then God gave them mercy, they don't want to give that to somebody now. It's like, let's forget about that part of God. Right. And so... So you were also they want to just it conveniently forget so that they, they they don't have to forgive the people that they've decided, whatever groups they are, individuals or groups or whatever. Nope, those people deserve it because look at these bad things that they did. They're habitually doing these bad things. So God obviously they don't deserve God's mercy because they're just bad to the core. You know, that that scripture that we were talking about that he mentioned right away was like, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my father, which we had talked about on the very first um, the first episode that we did together on this this version of um, doing. If anybody doesn't remember, you can go back and find out. So we don't re, re, regurgitate that. <laughs> yeah, but we talk about that scripture in detail. And it was yeah. one of the first ones that was so beautifully illuminating to me. But I was also reminded of another space um, where the scripture seems to contradict itself, uh, which is awesome. And we know that, and we're not afraid of that anymore in this space that we're, we're um, interpreting scripture in the light and the lens of Jesus. Um, but in second Timothy, same kind of message. Um, if we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot right. deny himself. Right. Have you read that in a while? I, I, uh, I haven't, but yeah, it is, it is the same thing just said in a completely different way. But that's, it's the same um, basic concept. Yeah, but he cannot deny. I, we, we, I, will, I will do more expounding. I will actually get something ready and prepared um, to where I go through, because it's been so long, but I know I have looked at it. And it, it is another one who it's awkwardly worded. Oftentimes, one of the things that translators will do is they will translate it like that one as awkwardly as they can to then make it when you have a God who you believe is looking for ways to keep you in condemnation, to keep you on his bad list or whatever it is, which it obviously doesn't even exist. Um, those kinds of scriptures have been translated in such a way that they leave you going, oh, well, I see what it says, even though that's not what it's. I'm going to be upstairs a while. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. So, sorry. <laughs> Say that last thing again. So, yeah, they will, they will just leave a person with oh, gotcha. yeah. sense yeah. that. Oh yeah, I know what that says. They but just this, you read it over quickly and you feel like that's what it says. 
but it sounds like I mean there are scriptures that describe a God that favors righteous people and disfavors unrighteous people. There is a God who loves it when people are righteous and despises it when people don't know they are. Uh, is the better way to say it. And when it what he despises is the fact that someone has tricked them into believing they're unrighteous. Because see, they've been made, they were made, the God made them, made them. See, that's so clear. For it was God who was redeeming. He was reconciling. You have been made. See, you were made the righteousness. You were made that. God made you the righteousness. So there's nothing else that you can be but what God made you to be. If I if I make a key out of a piece of metal, it's now a key. It's not a spoon. It's not a fork. It's a key. Well, you were made the righteousness of God through the works of Christ Jesus. That's the, that's the reconciliation he did through the covenant that he made, the new covenant that was made between God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. It okay. made you okay. the righteousness but, of but God. So anyone, what, the, he the loves people, it when people come to understand the, that. The you that you're talking about are the people who have believed it and received it and said nope. they believe in the end, nope. in this nope. Jesus that they, <laughs> you know, it's those people that are been made the righteousness of God. No, those right, are the people right? that God loves in the sense that he loves that they've come to the understanding that they were made the righteousness. But what he, what he, what displeases him, what grieves the Holy spirit is when people are still have been, are being held captive by the god of this world who is keeping them blind because mm. adam's adam's rules say no you have to you have to look good and be beautiful and do good things in order to be good that's all eros see, love. That, that, that's adam's eros that's love. the god of this world that's eros love that's eros, that is eros, love. Love. That's, eros is simply the rule of adam that's yeah. what eros is. which is what dominates most human relationships because it I, dominates 99% of the world still to this day. Because I love you because of how you make me feel. I love you when you right. do things for me. I love I you, love you because, because of what you can do for me. Yeah. And see, agape is exactly the opposite. I love you because I love serving you. End of story. Well, and it's we have to understand that the covenants that we're talking about were unilateral. It was between God and God's self. It's a unilateral covenant. And we are the beneficiaries of only the if you believe in a monotheistic non-trinity, to be technical. Oh my God. I don't believe in the Trinity. Oh my gosh. You have okay, to know you us. And, you and your you and the you and the gym boy are monotheistic and don't believe in a trinity. Uh -huh. I believe in a trinity. I just do. I be, but that are one, uh, because the same as again, I believe in a bi-entity with with married couples that are two that are, but they're one. Um, <laughs> see, it's the same thing. He said in the same way that a, a in this same way that a man and a woman can become one. They're one. 
but it's still this two people. Well, he's like, I'm you, he's God's using that as an example to say, so how is that any different? Do you see how that can be the same as when there's father, son, and the Holy Spirit? These three are one. Mm -hmm. They're one. They're, they're three, but they're one. The same as a husband and wife are one. It's two that are one. <laughs> two, but they're one flesh. And yet they're not even one flesh, but they are one flesh. But they're not. But so it's, and again, Paul called it, he goes, part of the mystery that we, you know, again, it's, and again, that mysterion is something that is unknown to this point, but is being revealed by the Holy Spirit. And so some of these things that he says can only be understood by the Holy Spirit. And so, well, and so, I mean, I think some of these scriptures that he's totally tripping over um, on his way to all of his judgment scriptures are, I mean, like the most obvious one, John 3, 16. I, I mean, I we don't have to necessarily just stop with John 3, 16, but we have so many other scriptures that. I mean, do you have some off the top of your head about the relentless, limitless love of God that, I mean, I mean, the, the, the prodigal son is the prodigal son story. I mean, I guess some of the stories, but better said, um, really help us see how wide and deep the love of God is. Right. I mean, um, Romans 8, it, where we just were, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Right. Paladin or no. um, cosmos that he gave his one and only unique one of a kind first of its class self right yeah and it was god who was doing the reconciliation of the universe through jesus for all of us so he it is god is not willing that any should perish but that all should come um and in that day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to the glory of god that jesus christ is lord and why no you, one will say to know the father because everyone will know why do you think <clears throat> why what how do you think it serves him since, since this is who we're talking about but people He's not the only person on the planet that believes this way. And the gym boy? yeah, yeah. Okay. And the religions of the world. Young man, sorry, I don't mean to. Yeah, no, he's the religions of the world, right? Would also say God's love or God's favor or some eternal, like afterlife blessing. I mean, the, the idea that you do you do really good things, you get really good things after life you do really bad things you get really bad things after death right after life and that's the system that we've all been indoctrinated in, in right. it's a karma karmic type thinking thoth is one of the oldest um uh, egyptian book of the dead has a lot of that typology which is you see crop up and I personally believe is what infiltrated a lot of Moses's um, belief system um, because he was being brought up as a Pharaoh and in the story. And so 
people, the writers of that knew, you know, that that was more, much more common knowledge. Um, and so the Egyptian thought was that after in, in, I mean, again, they had more than one, one theology over the thousands of years they were there, but one of the more predominant ones for, for a very long time, the priests who were in control and the thought system that they had was that when you died, you, you went before this, this being who had this huge scale and there's this feather that's on the one side and that feather is like a minimum goodness for a person's life. And then all the good things that you did are put on your side of the scale. And as long as you did, that's where you hear people say, well, I think I did good things. I think I'm a good person. I think I did good things because I did this. I remember when I, I, I took time off at my expense to go take care of my mom. I remember when I, they do, they talk about these selfless acts where they put mm -hmm. aside the, the best for them for someone else for a period of time. Mm -hmm. And then that's what they say. See, so I did enough of those good works that when they, they're put on this scale, and again, they don't know this, this is a, this is a, at, we're talking like a Jungian um, subconscious, uh, but it is the, the consciousness that I believe is a cosmic consciousness of the God of this world that, that we are interconnected to, that people oftentimes couldn't even tell you, they couldn't articulate why they believe what they believe, where they got this belief system from, but it is so common that, mm -hmm. People like Young and others would say, this is universe, this is part of this, this somehow interconnected universal consciousness that most humans share that gives part of their um, belief system uh, its foundation without knowing it. And that is exactly what I believe Paul is talking about when he says it, uh, it is our job as individuals or as teachers of others to tear down every thought, every belief, every doctrine, every um, uh, um, system of thinking that is in contradiction to the truth of the God that Jesus showed us. So when we see and hear some belief that God is holding as this book, because they even say, look, there's scriptures. It says they have the, he has this book and he's opening these books. And it's like, yeah, but you're not looking at what the books say and you're making assumptions about what they have in them. See, that's yeah. when he, here's another says, one. whose name is not written in here won't get in. And so then they go and so I know your name's not in there because you did bad things. Well, how do we know then that your name's not in there? Well, actually, uh, I guess we don't. But I believe I did more good things. So my, <laughs> I believe my name. It's like, what if everybody's name is in there? Did you ever think of that one? Because the scripture says there's too many scriptures. God is not holding your sins against you. Paul oh said that God. multiple times. That's so, so what beautiful. Sins is he got? Because love doesn't doesn't hold account of things done against him. So God doesn't have a list. Because oh, God that is so beautiful. Love. But I really want to interject this. I really want to interject this because. <laughs> when we see the teachings of Jesus, for example, in Gospel of Luke, it's, but I say to you that, listen, love your enemies, do good to those that hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, and and on and on. 
Do and why? Finish it. Why? I know where you're going. Why? Because then, why would you be doing that? You would be imitating your father, which is in heaven. Exactly. Yeah, and exactly. So if God is the one who's waiting to punish people, then, then we should be like that. But he's not. He's doing exactly the opposite in all those cases. So I mean, if, if we're being instructed, not look at people as good and bad. If we're, we're being instructed, including the people we to know love are bad, our enemies. If we're being instructed to love our enemies, right? This is God's because right, God does that. Because God <laughs> does that. What about the other one that says, you know, um, do good to those who are unkind and ungrateful. That's For right. then you'll be like your father in heaven. You're being like your father. See, so that Jesus is telling us the nature and character of the father, which is what? He doesn't hate bad people. Oh he my God. Everybody. This is in so fact, beautiful. He goes out of his way. Okay, he goes what, out what of are, his way. He says, go be like God and go out of your way to bless the people who are hurting you. Just like, I don't like, oh, I don't know. Let's uh, take the one rebel sheep and leave 99 perfectly obedient ones to go after one who's being ridiculous. Well, that doesn't <laughs> seem fair, but it's God's kind of fairness. God, because God goes out of his way to not fix the fixed sheep. As Jesus said, what are you saying? We're well, no, if you say you're, you're well, how can I, as if I'm a physician, how can I help you? I Because a physician only helps those who are sick. You say you're not sick. So I'm not spending time with you. I'm spending time with these over here who are like, we're sick. Help us. We're blind. We're lame. We're, we're doing crazy things. We're marrying 19 times and we don't know how to stop. And we're, uh, he's near, near to the brokenhearted. He's near broken to the brokenhearted. He's near That's to the brokenhearted. Right. He blesses those who curse his name. You know, right. some of the, I think, it, man, we have such a mixed up view of what we think God's love will and will not do and what we believe God's favor will and will not cover. And the reality is we have those beliefs, not just about others, but about ourselves, about ourselves uniquely. We will punish ourselves um, for longer for and harder and hold shame and blame against our own systems for things that we do that fall short against our own standard. And what I have i think what, what all of us are are learning to do in community in this faith in this grace is to is to really remind one another and ourselves that god's steadfast love and unending mercy and grace be upon grace upon grace is more than we it's it's more and better. It's not like our natural fathers and mothers who get exasperated with us after a few times. It, it's just right. not like that. It's not that kind of love. When we're dealing with a completely other kind of love, when when we're dealing with a divine love, and I don't, I don't, I mean, people try to talk about it. We try to talk about the love of God, and there's no word. There's no way to describe how encompassing it is and the love of god i mean the jonah example is so perfect and isaiah is another perfect one that he's not quick for vengeance and is and the vengeance isn't what we think of vengeance to be um right. 
is so beautiful. Yeah. We have to kind of close close down. Is there any last words you want to say? It's going to be a short one today, but is there any last words that you want to offer as things have come up in your own heart? No, it, um, but this whole concept of, uh, well, yeah, actually there is Jesus on the cross. There's, there's um, multiple ways that obviously we look at that verse as applying to us, applying to the church, applying to the world. But when you re read it, <clears throat> if you were reading it for the first time, I think I believe a lot of people reading it for the first time as a story, uh, especially like say you were a uh, uh, person who made videos, and you were like taking this as a script. When Jesus is on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. One thing that I think we it's so right there but we skip past it as if it's not applicable. It's not important to this narrative is that who heard that were the men who nailed him to the cross. Mm. And it was at those words, which were so completely at variance with everything they had ever heard because they had been cursed by every kind of cursing. Those are, Historically, they told, Josephus and other writers told what those professional crucifiers normally heard. And this was so weird. It was so out of character that they said, truly, this was the Son of God. And again, historically, we come to find out that some of the very first believers that grew the fastest Gentile congregations were led by soldiers. Those soldiers that were really right there, and it the word that word spread, and they kept telling others, and others told, and there was thousands of soldiers in and around Jerusalem that became Christians because they were so overwhelmed and and by this unworldly uh, um, type and unearth godlike <laughs> love mm. that they, was demonstrated through Jesus. So mm. to say that God hates evil men is is can be disproved by that interaction right there who would you say is that would you say if you, you ask that young man or that man i don't know how old he, i'm just keep in my mind i picture <laughs> he's a young man yeah that's um, fine. <laughs> probably just because i think that kind of thinking to me is immature but um well just to set the story straight he's a retired gentleman and, uh, oh my! And so he's far, you know. He's lived a wow. long. Wow. Well, then he, that doesn't mean he's not spiritually immature. But I think There's that's that it. Really far. helps with the story, though. It really helps to to show the kind of mindsets that are existing in all sorts of. Yes, it doesn't really matter. You can have that kind of. Um, I don't want to say infantile, but immature or or whatever um, type thinking at any age. So, if you were to ask him. Was this is this person good or bad? Is this person good or bad? If you asked him, were the people, the soldiers who crucified Jesus and nailed him to the cross and beat him and tore his beard and and whipped him and and jeered and threw dice for his clothing and said, "Come down, King of the Jews, save yourself," and put a robe on him and then waited for it to coagulate and ripped it off. I mean, over and over, all the things they did. 
would you say they're good or bad people? Oh, they're bad for sure. Well, does God love them or hate them? Oh, God hates them. Well, then why did Jesus say, Father, forgive them? Mm. Why did Jesus call out the first people he's, he's letting know what the message, the character and nature of God? Because if you're seeing me, you're seeing the Father is to these that have done all that. Forgive them, Father. And why? Because they know not what they do. Dumb people mm. do dumb things because they don't know any better. So mm. That's how I would do it. That's beautiful. That's so, so beautiful. <laughs> I often have these lyrics um, in my head. I, I don't know if I can remember them all, but it's the, the love of God hymn. The love of God, so rich and pure. Yeah. Yeah. How measureless and strong. How measureless and strong. It shall forever more endure. The saints and angels song. Could we, and I, this is my favorite, my favorite verse. Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made were every man on earth a quill or, or no were every stock on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade to write the love of god above would drain the ocean dry <laughs> Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Yeah, it's so oh, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's so good. Yeah. Oh, well, as we whew, continue, thank you, Holy Spirit, for opening our eyes and our hearts and our minds to see and experience the love of God. And so may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus until we have another conversation again. God bless you.